0: Yes, Uh, just to let you know this morning, right at the outset, welcome, welcome to this time and space. If you are unfamiliar with what we're about to do, we're about to open up the Bible, we believe it's God's word, and I'm going to do my best over the next few minutes just to explain it. I've had some feedback since I last preached from she who must be obeyed, you're thinking thinking Jenny, it was my mum, she was on the cross trainer listening to one of my messages and she said it was far too long. ...for being on the cross trainer. So, if you're listening online right now, if you're in the gym... Uh, I'm going to give like a short version, I'm just going to read scripture, one verse today, that's all we're looking at, and then pray, and if you want to check out, get off your cross trainer, leave the service at that point, go and get a coffee, you can do that, but if you want to hear me explain it a little bit more, it'll be more than five minutes, is that okay? We are in uh, John chapter 8, and we're starting uh, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, and we're discovering what it means to um, engage in culture as a church. And so, just as Scripture has sort of one interpretation, but many applications that we could bring, this morning, that's where we're going to head. We're going to focus on one verse, right in the middle of John chapter 8, as we introduce this little mini-series, I Am uh, the Light of the World. And we're going to talk about what it means for us as a church, in our day, to engage in culture. So... Just a minute to go, if you're on your cross trainer, uh, I'm going to read one verse, we're going to read it together, and then I'm going to pray. Okay, when Jesus spoke again to the people, if you were here last week, that links us to the fact that Jesus is still talking at the Feast of Tabernacles, which we'll come to, but that's important. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have, have, have the light of life. Should we pray together? Jesus, we want to thank you for your word today. Thank you that we're not expressing an opinion. Uh, God, but we seek to be aligned to your word. We seek to be changed and formed by it and around it. And so God, we want to surrender ourselves to you right now and say, God, would you speak? Would you enable us to understand what it is that you'd have us know out of this and what it is you'd have us do out of this, not just as people, not just as individuals, but as a community. We pray in Jesus' mighty name today. Amen. Amen. Let me take you back a few years. um, About six, to be not precise, but to guess. Uh, My life group in the UK, a bunch of boys, uh, mid 20s, and we decided that we would uh, attempt one of these challenges in the UK called the Three Peaks. And it's where you you get in a bus and you drive up to Scotland and you climb Ben Nevis and then you go straight to Scaffold Pike, the highest peak in England and you climb that and then you go straight away to Snowdon in Wales to the highest peak in Scotland, England and Wales, and you climb those, and you tend to do it in 24 hours, and it's like dream for me. It's outdoors, it's physically challenging, time with the boys, and you get to eat loads of food, and so I love it, and, um, but we decided, because it was just too easy to go up the main route up Ben Nevis, we'd go more difficult route. One of the guys in our group sort of uh, lost it at that point, so just two of us, me and my buddy Sam, heading up Scaffold Pike, but because we'd gone a harder route up Ben Nevis, it's now night time as we get to, or sunset as we get to Scaffold Pike. I've never been up that mountain in my life, and uh, we launch out so enthusiastically to get up this mountain. Uh, But as we go, I I suddenly realized my head torch is getting a little bit dim. And uh, I've never been up this one before, and so I've got a map, but my map is not laminated. And so as it starts to rain, my, lap, my map starts to get a bit soggy and a bit faded. Um, and, and so we couldn't see where we were heading. We, we couldn't really see the potholes and the hollows in the trail. That was when we could find the trail. <laughs> and at that moment, Sam and I decided this is getting a little bit dangerous. If we don't come home alive, our wives will kill us. And so, much better, just uh, call it quits, as much as I hate failing, head down. You see, we were well fed. We were well watered. We were warm. We were well equipped, other than the fact that we were lost in the darkness, because we didn't have... Light and as we journey through uh, John, we come to this big "I am" statement. Jesus, when he says "I am," he's talking about uh, uh, phrases that uh, descriptions of of uh, of "I am." I am being synonymous with God, and so it's describing what relationship with Jesus is all about. And we've been examining "I am the bread of life." And if Jesus is preaching "I am the bread of life," it shows that to some degree he knew people were hungry. That they needed nourishing, that they needed satisfying, that they needed um, filling up. And that they were spiritually hungry and they needed to know that he was the bread of life. Well, if Jesus preached bread of life because he knew they were hungry, then surely he preaches, I am the light of the world, because he understood that people were walking about in darkness. And you might say, well, it's pretty light in this country. Are we really in darkness? Is this relevant for us? But, you know, you don't have to watch the news for too long to hear of wars and and famine and conflict going on. You don't have to watch the news closer to home for too long to, to hear about poverty and to hear about sickness and to hear about, I mean, things like the fact that we live in one of the most beautiful, incredible countries in the world. Like budget surplus and, 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 and stable government and lack of corruption and just stunning scenery. Like, I love this place. How is it that we have one of the highest rate of teen suicides in the developed world? Are we really in the light? We have so celebrated as a country being secular and leaving primitive religious ways behind. We can do this. We can sort it out. Are we really doing well at that? Are we really in the light? And the thing is, it's more than that. There's this spiritual blindness is going on. Our, our city is full of super successful people in the eyes of the world. We're so successful. People with fame, people with fortune, people with all the things they could ever desire. And yet blind to any reality beyond here and now. It's like they can buy all the light bulbs they could ever need. And yet they are still in the dark and, and we live in a world of relativism. We, we've, we've decided that, that nothing really is true. That every argument, that every opinion has a place. And nothing is absolutely, ultimately true. And in doing that as a nation, in doing that especially in the western world, what we've done is we've dispensed with the reference points that we need to determine right from wrong. And so in even basic conversations around morality, we find ourselves confused. We find ourselves unable to gain clarity over even the simplest things. And so it's this confusion that adds to the brokenness, that adds to the spiritual blindness, which we'll come to in a a couple of weeks. And it really sets the scene that we really are a people, to some degree, still walking around in darkness. And so we need to pay attention as a church community today. these words as Jesus enters the fray, not only in his day, but in our day and says, I am the light of the world. How are you doing today? How are you living? How are you doing? Is there clarity or is there confusion? Are you navigating life well? Are you navigating this culture, this society well, or are you a little bit like me? On the side of a dark mountain with a soggy map and a dim head torch, finding yourself a little bit lost, Jesus comes and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light is synonymous with God. And when you go back to Genesis, before sun, before any other star, before anything was created, God says, let there be light. And at the very end, beyond the last star being extinguished and, and where creation as we know it is a dim and distant memory, what do we find right at the end of the Bible in Revelation? We find God being the light. And and light is a way that God reveals himself throughout scripture. So the Jewish listeners right now, as Jesus is preaching this message, as Jesus declares, I'm the light of the world, are leaning in because they know that light is synonymous with God. And light in the Bible has two meanings. And we're going to explore those today. Two meanings. It means both the source of light. And it means the substance of light. And we know this, okay? If I was to say, I'm going to go to Bunnings and I'm going to buy a light, you are not imagining me coming back with a sort of jar with light in it to be poured out somewhere, okay? You understand that I'm talking really about a lamp. I'm going to go to Bunnings and I'm going to buy... This was Kmart, but anyway, don't walk down. Okay, I'm going to go and buy a light. You understand that I'm, I'm talking about I'm going to go and buy a source of light. But you also know that when I bring that home, I'm going to turn it on because, because I need it to work. I need it to, to read by. I, I don't need, just need the presence of a light, the source of a light. I need the substance of light. And we see both of those things in the life of Jesus. When, when, when Jesus is revealed in Scripture, we see both of those things. So let's begin with one. Jesus as the source of light. He says, I am the light. And and later in John, John records that Jesus says, you know, you'll have the light for just a short time. Soon you won't have the light. So in, in some respects, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he is saying, I am a revelation of God on earth. And therefore I am present. Jesus reveals a reality of God that up until that point had been hidden. So it's like he's saying, I'm the lamp. I'm the source of light. I'm present here. You see, God had revealed himself like with his fingerprints across creation. Still evident now. God's voice is heard in scripture. But when Jesus shows up, when Jesus was present on earth, he revealed a reality of God that up until that point was previously hidden. Previously hidden. And so it really is true, as cliche as it might seem, it really is true that if you really want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you really want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And I think this is so important as we consider as a church community, what it means to engage in our world. Because Jesus is no longer physically present on earth. That lamp, that source of light has gone. But if you were here last week, and and maybe you've been tracking along with us as a a church, we regularly talk about this, okay? If you've become a Jesus follower, if you've believed in Jesus, then the Spirit of God, the power and presence of God has shown up in your life. And therefore, if the world is going to see a present reality of God that is otherwise hidden in our world, they need to see it in you and in me as Jesus followers. It means we've got to be present. It means we cannot expect the world to come to us. It means we have to go to the world. It means our Christian faith cannot just be about 90 minutes on a Sunday or about coming into a building where there's this, where there's this sign on the outside that says church. We have to take the, the visibility of God, the reality of God that is otherwise hidden, into our communities into the world so that people can see it. The lamp doesn't really look that distinctive in the lamp store. It has to leave. And I think so much goes on. I'm going to digress a little bit now, but I think so much goes on in our church community. Am I bright? Am I as bright as this person or as that person? We do so much comparison. Leave the lamp store. Go and stand in a dark room. You'll be pretty distinctive there. You'll be a a lot lighter than the things around you. We have to be present. It's why multi-site. It's why we're not just satisfied as a church with gathering in one location. We want to take the light to places. We want to be more present in communities, more visible in communities, so that the light gets to shine there. It's why when, when Jenny and I really sensed the call, and this was, this was before a decision was ultimately made on whether we would put a, put a campus, eastern suburbs sort of peninsula way. Jenny and I made a call. Do you know what? Do we feel God calling us to reach people in the eastern suburbs? Yes. Okay, well, we need to move there. Regardless of where this church goes, if God is calling us there, we need to go there. Why? Because I wasn't satisfied in us running a Christianity Explored course for the, pe- for, for, for the friends of the people who live out there. I want to run it for my friends. I want to reach my friends. And so when we felt called, we said, well, we need to be present there. People need to see a reality of God in our lives there. It's why we've begun a conversation around what it means to begin uh, to, to engage in culture, and, and last week, if you missed it, bad, some of you might think this is bad news, but we, we, we've announced that we're, we're, we're stopping halos and heroes, and we're not going to have that sort of alternative big gathering uh, on, on the 31st of October. And some of that is around just the massive burden that that event is on volunteers at a time of heading into Christmas and things like that. It, yes, it, yes, it's a budget thing, but it's much bigger than that. It's because we believe that the days of us gathering in one big location need to end. And we need to consider what it means to, to head into communities and be present there. And, and over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be sharing stories uh, around Halloween, around, around things that people have been doing. as a way of engaging and for some of you you'll say Halloween doesn't really mean anything to me I'm not going to do anything around that doesn't doesn't bother me but 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 for some of you are saying well what does this mean for me it's difficult how do I engage how do I do something we're going to share stories over the coming weeks of how some people have done that to give ideas about things that you might want to do but I want to invite you into this concept that actually it's much bigger than Halloween It's not about us being present on one moment in in our communities. It's about all times, in all seasons, day in, day out, wherever the world is, wherever there is darkness, the world needs to find the church present. Think of Jesus. What was one of his titles? Friend of Sinners. He didn't get that accolade in the synagogue. He didn't get that accolade in the temple. He got it because he was, he was having dinner with, in, in the homes of tax collectors. He was having dinner in the homes and, and a prostitute comes in and anoints him. Like, he, he was present in his world, in his day. And I find it fascinating that it was among those people that he was most acknowledged, most worshipped, most responded to, not in the religious settings, but in a world that were desperate for him, a world that knew they were in darkness and they needed light. I believe that our city is full of people who are currently spiritually disconnected and do not want to be. And when they have their questions, are you present in their world? Are you friends with them? Are you a safe person for them to come to and ask those spiritual questions. I don't know that a heap of people are going to come into this room to ask their questions. I think we have to go to them. I think we have to be present. Let's look at the second aspect of light, okay? Not only is it the source of light, but it's also the substance of light. Am I, as I'm reading, I need it to, to shine. And, and Jesus is the substance of light enables us to follow, which is where this verse gets to. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As I said right at the beginning, Jesus at this moment is teaching at the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, And, and the Feast of Tabernacles was where they, they hung out in tents, and it commemorated the fact that when they were a nation, Israel, coming out of Egypt, they journeyed through the desert. And the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated the fact that God had provided for them supernaturally with water from a rock. And, and also in the desert, as they were journeying around there, God provided bread from heaven. It's no surprise that Jesus is talking about bread of life. I'm the bread of life. I'm the one that bread in the desert pointed to. And when water came from the rock, Jesus says, I'm that rock. I'm the one who provides that water. In this context, I'm the one who, who's going to pour out the Spirit. But there was something else that happened in that desert as Israel journeyed around as a nation. They needed leading. And the presence of God was, was seen among them in this pillar of cloud. And when it got dark, they didn't find themselves lost on a, on a, on a mountainside with a dim head torch and a soggy map. No, they had a pillar of fire to follow. And Jesus at this moment stands at the Feast of Tabernacles where they've got these big lamps around that remind them of this pillar of fire. And he says, I am that pillar of fire. I am what these lamps are commemorating and pointing to. I am the light of the world. And just as Israel were, were invited not to believe That the the pillar of fire was the presence of God, but actually to follow it. Imagine if they'd have just seen that pillar of fire in the desert and gone, I believe that pillar of fire is the presence of God, as it disappeared over the hill and suddenly they're in darkness again. No. I believe that pillar of fire is the presence of God. I believe it's the one leading me through this barren land, through this darkness, and I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow. And what this means for us is that when we read scripture, it is not an academic exercise. When I open up the Gospels, I read a little bit of the Gospels every single day. Unless I'm not reading my Bible that day. Just sometimes I miss it. I'm human. But I read a little section. and, And I'm doing it not because of information. I'm not doing it to learn more. I've read these things before. Why am I making sure I want to read a little bit of the Gospels every single day? Because I want to observe Jesus. I want to look at him and work out what does it mean to follow you. And I believe first and foremost, following Jesus is about following in his footsteps. Just as Israel followed the pillar of fire. So we need to learn what it means to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Not just be present in our communities, but follow him there. And just the other day I was reading in Luke chapter 6. Man, these words just took me back. Luke 6 verse 27 Talks about this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now there are a million things I could have said this morning. Don't test me on that. But there are about a million things I could have said this morning about examples of what it means to follow Jesus. But I, I'm choosing one that God showed me recently that I think has an implication for how we engage in community. So that's why I'm heading there this morning. And, and God says, Jesus says, love your enemies. Well, that take, that, that's, that's, that's hard. Like, how do you even begin to do that? You know, because we know that when we stand up for Jesus, actually, we're going to find moments where we're not liked for that. We're going to find moments where we're hated for that. We may even in the years to come find moments where we lose our jobs for that. Where we maybe lose our homes for that. Maybe, just maybe, because it happens in some areas of the world, you end up in prison for that. What does it mean then to turn around and say, to obey this teaching, follow Jesus here, love your enemies. When someone doesn't agree with me, is this my response? To love them, and to bless them, and to pray for them? You see, for so long, the church has been known for what it doesn't agree with. It's known for what it hates. We're so great at telling people what they're bad at and what they're not and how their ways are, are so errant and so their ways are so far from God and nothing like Him. But what would it mean for us to engage in culture in this way and say, we love you? And city of Wellington, no matter how you're behaving and what you're doing, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to pray God's blessing upon you. And even if you mistreat us, do, we're going to do what it says in the next verse, a couple of verses down, verse 32. We're going to lend to you. We're going to give things that we need and things that we have and maybe things that are precious to us. And we're going to give them to you. And if you never give them back, that's okay. What would it be to be, be like that? See, I think so often as a church we're asking the wrong questions. I think this is such an important question for us. What does it mean to be present in communities? And there when we observe things that are so far from God and behaviors that are so other from the way we think God is leading us that in that context say we love you. And when people hate you for it to still say we love you and we're going to bless you and we're going to pray for you and we're going to lend to you without expecting anything back. I think that's the sort of community that Jesus is calling us to be. I think that's the way we begin to engage in culture. There's another thing that I want you to see, okay? As Israel followed through the desert, this pillar of fire, they did not follow alone. They followed as a community. Do you see they followed together. And we are, if, if we are successful in the Western world as church, in one thing, I think it's this, that we've made following Jesus about me. We've made following Jesus about me. How am I doing? How am I growing in being a follower of Jesus? Instead of following as a community, instead of following together, we've made it about me You know I was uh, let me talk about another uh, thing an endurance race i was was involved in, uh, not on a dark mountain side. this was in the day. it was a ultra it was over several peaks and things like that i didn 't really have any maps um, and and uh, but along the trail, there were these like pink arrows. And when it came to a juncture, when it came to a, a moment where you had to change trails or go in a different direction, there were these like pink arrows, these pink triangles. And the thing I love about a race like that is it doesn't get super competitive. There's a whole bunch of people and you're, and you're sort of doing it together. You make friends along the way. And, and so what would happen is, is we'd be looking for these sort of pink arrows in the distance. And we're like, okay, that's the way we need to go. And, and at one point, like two or three of us headed down this road in completely the wrong direction direction. And and another person says, no, 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 it's not down there. You see, the arrow's up here. We have to take the next junction. And so we like come back and we carry on together. I think that's such a powerful picture of what it means to be the church. You see, when when you become a Jesus follower, it's like you become this light. And and we need to be people that other people can look to and go, yeah, I think that's what it means to follow Jesus. I'm a bit confused right now, but what do you think? What, What does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, Are we going the right way? And when I get it wrong, or when you get it wrong, that there would be somebody in your life that would say, I don't think that's following Jesus going down that way. Come back. We we need to head down this way. Do you see? We need to learn to follow Jesus as a community. I need you. And I believe you need me. We have a mission statement as a church, and it's this. Helping people become total followers of Jesus Christ. Now, now if you are careless, you could easily make that about you. I'm going to turn up to church and and I want to this building and to this 90 minutes and I'm going to I'm going to invite the leadership of this church to help me become a total follower of Jesus Christ. It is not that. It's not about that. It's about us helping one another, showing the way. And so I think we need to have more spiritual conversations among ourselves. In our families, in our homes, I think we need to gather in small spaces and say, maybe a life group, but it could be just be an informal setting and just say, what are you learning about following Jesus? What are you reading in scripture at the moment? Like, what are you learning about this? Is there any way, anything I can learn there? I was out for a ride with Aidan yesterday. We went for a ride like a couple of hours. We talked, uh, we talked about just about everything. But on the way, I asked him, what are you learning about following Jesus? Just on a ride. I mean, yes, talk about life. Yes, talk about movies. Yes, talk about the Crusaders being a South African team last night. Praise the Lord. But but talk about Jesus. Find space to talk about Jesus together. Because he then said, well, what are you learning? We had to talk together. There was revelation along the way. I understood something more of what it looks like to follow Jesus because we were looking at it together. We need to be present. We need to observe Jesus but we need to observe one another. It's, your following Jesus is not just about you. It's about us. And I think we're going to best work out what it means to follow Jesus and engage in our culture together. See, in that space, as we are present in communities, and, and as we're working out what it means to follow Jesus and becoming more like him, I believe it's going to make us distinctive. A couple of weeks ago, Izzy had her sixth birthday. For the third year running, she wanted a frozen party which is great because you don't have to invent new games. You just do the same ones. And she had, like, instead of pin the tail on the donkey, we had pin the nose, pin the carrot on Olaf, okay? And it's always difficult as a parent, okay, in kids' parties because you've got to be fair, right? And and you don't want a kid crying because they're out of, like, what was it? Musical snowballs or something. You know, like, you don't, you don't want that on your conscience. Anyway, this little girl, cute little five year old, just blindfold on, walked straight up to Olaf. I couldn't have placed it better myself. Okay? Straight on his nose. Now, I should tell you that that may have slipped off again as she went to the back of the queue. Because I said to her, hey, hey, um, could you see through that blindfold? She's like this. No. Liar! <laughs> I didn't say that, that would be amusing, that's one way to make a name for yourself in your new neighbourhood, get out, jokes, but I knew she was seeing a light, I knew that she had clarity, I knew that she had direction, why, because she, it was distinctive, other kids just aren't even in the ballpark, funny I turned Izzy around so she walked the other way dad jokes funny anyway that's a good dad joke but this kid just places it right in the in, in the right place why how did I know how did I know she could see because her actions were distinctive and I think as we're as a community present in our as we are a church present in communities working out what it is to follow Jesus becoming more like him more and more our actions and our attitudes and our words and our reactions are going to be distinctive not necessarily not necessarily overnight not necessarily dramatically so for some of us it's going to be consistency it's going to be over years or over months that you're you're doing, you're growing and following Jesus, and people are going to see it over time, not necessarily in a moment. But bit by bit, I believe that we're going to begin to bring light and to bring clarity and be a community that invites people out of darkness and into light. Not because we're believing in Jesus, but because we're following. But because we're following. Are you following today? Are you following Jesus today? Let me, let me just round off with this. Do you know, the thing is, we can't actually do this. <laughs> we'll fail. We'll mess up. We're not actually going to do this. Like, what does it actually mean to follow, love our enemies? Can I actually do that? I said to a friend of mine this week, Benji, wh- how do you do that? Like, how do you love your enemies? And he he turned around to me and he said, Simon, I. He said, it's like this. Romans five eight says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies, Christ didn't pray for us. He didn't lend to us. He gave up himself on the cross and died in our place that we might know life, that we might know him, and that we might even have the capacity with his spirit within us to, to, to become more like him and be immersed in this incredible community of the church to help us grow. If you want to know what it means to follow Jesus, you've got to begin by believing. And say, I cannot do this by myself. I cannot change myself. I cannot change my heart. But by your grace, Jesus, I pray, would you forgive me? And and would you help me now to follow you? Would you change my heart? Would you open my eyes? Would you reveal yourself to me in your word? Would you reveal yourself to me in this church community that we might navigate together? And you know what? Bible reading, observing Jesus in scripture might be really hard for you. But I spoke to another friend of mine, Dave, I think he's around the other day. There he is, just popped his head up. I said to him, what is it about us struggling to read scripture? And he said, well, the answer, for, the answer I think, is to do it in community. You're struggling to read the Bible on your own? Grab somebody. Maybe who's, who seems to be doing it well and say, can we read scripture together? Maybe you're struggling to pray. Get together with a friend and say, can we pray together? Can we, can we help one another here? Do you see? Don't make it about you. Don't make the problem about you. Let us discover together what it looks like. To follow Jesus. I think I'm about done. Should we pray together? Come on, let's pray together. Do you know what? We need to learn what it is to follow Jesus. And as we just bow our heads and close our eyes right now, I want to speak to you maybe as somebody who's never begun to follow Jesus. Never even believed. But in this moment, you know, God, I believe that you sent your one and only son to die for me. I'm tired of this darkness. And I want to know you, the light. And I want to follow you. And so I want to pray for us right now. And if you want to begin a conversation with Jesus right now that says, I believe you died in my place. I want to I want to know what it is to follow. You can begin that conversation with God right now. But for us, uh, maybe you, for, for everyone else who's not in that space, maybe you're a Jesus follower, but you're not that distinctive. And, and maybe you don't. Maybe you used to follow, but you stopped. Maybe you believed, but it's never really made much of a difference. God, I pray for us today, whatever space we're in, maybe even just nervous about what it means to be present in our world. Will you help us for everyone right now, just beginning to believe in you, having their eyes open, God, we pray. Would you help them as they surrender lives to you right now in this moment? Help them. Thank you, God, that you died for them, that you were this incredible prize. They, they were an incredible prize to you in going to the cross. Help, her, help them grow as followers of you. And God, as, as we discover what it means to be present in culture, And and to love our enemies and and to follow Jesus and to, to work out what that means as a community. God, I thank you that you're going to make us bright. And we pray that as we grow as a community brighter and brighter, God, that many would come to know you in that space. So whatever our response today, God, we give ourselves to you again today. Not just as individuals, but as an entire church community. We say, Jesus, show us the way. Show us the way and let us follow you together, we pray in your name today. Amen.